Well, relocations as an industry was actually a complete departure for me. Uh, when my wife and I had our third kid, it was she pretty much said to me, I'm not going back to work. We lost all our safety nets. So at that point, we had no choice but to make this work. And here we are about 23, 24 years later to be arguably the largest destination service provider in Canada. Welcome everyone to another episode of Moving to Expat Land. This week, we are looking at the journey to Toronto. My guest today is Nitin Badwa, who is based in Toronto. Nitin is a graduate of Ryerson University in Toronto and has had a long and varied career in the corporate sector. Nitin has held various positions in management at companies like IBM, Royal Bank of Canada, American Express, and he brings the same philosophy of customer service and a strong work ethic to the company and is an integral part of past and future success. Nitin is one of our group leaders on our Toronto e-team, and it's my pleasure to welcome Nitin Badwa to our show today. Good morning, Nitin. How are you? Thanks, John. Awfully nice to be here. Just doing fine. We're on uh, clocks just moved ahead last over the weekend. So we lost an hour. So we're all a little bit sleep deprived here. However, all is good. Uh, the weather is starting to get warmer. The snow hopefully will be melting. I know you guys are firmly in your summer, but uh, <laughs> or in some parts. Correct. I don't know where you are now. In Australia, it's definitely summer but but yeah it's uh, it's definitely we're encouraged by hopefully coming out of this deep freeze that we are in Canada well thank you again so Nitin please tell us a little bit about what took you into relocation as an industry so that we can our listeners can get to know more about you before we start asking about WH well relocations as an industry was actually a complete departure for me uh, when my wife and I had our third kid it was she pretty much said to me I'm not going back to work I'm going, okay I was a manager at American Express at the time making X uh, our requirements were Y and <laughs> it was like okay we're not gonna we're not gonna make it not if we want the lifestyle that we want after a lot of different uh, trial and errors, she was talking to a friend of hers who was actually one of her best friends and mm -hmm. who was expressing her dissatisfaction at not getting any support when she had moved for her jobs to various places with a plane manufacturing company. And that's kind of where this idea came about. And they, the two of them started this while I continued to bankroll it in the background. Mm-hmm. And then about three years in, I mean, it was a tough slog, but about three years in, things started to really happen. And at that point, it was, okay, do we start to hire people or do I, at this point, because you know, we felt we had reached a critical mass financially in terms of uh, moving the business forward and the business being able to carry itself, that maybe I should quit and invest myself 100% in this business. And that's essentially what I did 
we lost all our safety nets. So at that point, we had no choice but to make this work. Mm -hmm. And here we are about 23, 24 years later. Well, about 20 years later after that three years. And to be arguably, you know, the largest destination service provider in Canada. I hear you. And Welcome Home, who came up with the name Welcome Home? Was that your idea? Well, it was, I think, the three of us, Mm -hmm. my wife, myself, and the partner, but I can't quite remember that far back. Sometimes I can't remember two days ago, but um, (laughs) so, yeah, it was, you know, it just seemed to be one of those very easy names and one that would, that pretty much sends the message. (laughs) Sure. Well, it's a great name. It's a great name. I mean, Australians and Canadians, we get on pretty well. I like the idea of being welcome home to Canada. Yeah. And really, given the Commonwealth connection exactly. between the countries, we have a lot of Australians in Canada. So tell us uh, you know, a little bit about Welcome Home, what it does, et cetera. It'd be good to get an idea for the listener of, of the breadth of your services. Yeah. Well, like I said, we're about 23, going on 24 years now, Mm -hmm. and we are strictly a destination service provider. Mm -hmm. We don't do immigration. In Canada, you have to be licensed to do immigration, so we have partners that do immigration. We obviously also have partners, you know, that do the household goods movement, taxation, those kinds of other things. But in terms of actual destination services like help me find my rental housing, help me find temporary accommodations, help me with all my government services, your social insurance number, which is the same as, you know, social security, driver's license, health insurance, provincial health insurance, banking, all of those things, you know, that they need help with. If you're coming with families, what about schooling considerations, daycares, from a healthcare perspective, finding doctors, dentists, We have uh, for some time now had a shortage of doctors, especially ones that are accepting new patients. So that's a challenge in itself for somebody coming. So that's where we come in with the experts on the ground. We have about 80 to 85 consultants across Canada. Wow. We cover all of Canada and we are only in Canada. We have partners around the world that we work with when we have outbound business Mm -hmm. and, of course, work with them when there's inbound coming to Canada. So, Nitin, for an expat who's looking to engage with WH relocations, uh, what does the customer journey look like? Can they send uh, an email to you or what's the best way to engage? Yeah, absolutely. So, like I was saying, we're a fairly flat organization. We've got about 15 staff. We have an operations department that has the expertise of dealing in individual transferee files and expat files. Uh, But yeah, they can come through me. They can come through any one of, you know, that we have contact at WH Relocations. We have info at on our website. Mm -hmm. And as soon as we have an initiation, the the expat gets set up with, uh, with our destination services app so that they can kind of hit the ground running before even actually hitting the ground here. Oh, that's great. You've got an app. That's cool. Yeah. You know, so they've got it well before they even come to Canada. And it's furnished with a whole bunch of information, some of it customized, some of it general, so that they can start to plan. And then they're obviously assigned a consultant that they work with in Canada or in Toronto. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where the journey actually starts, because the more prepared they are before coming, 
And the more information we have about them before they arrive, the better we can service them. So that when they do actually come, a lot of the legwork uh, and the preparation is already done and the pre-work is already done. And then, you know, we can get them settled in, acclimatized, get them whatever their journey is, whether it's for work or whatever, get them productive and effective as soon as possible. So just on that, what are some of the main issues an expat faces moving to Canada in terms of some of the difficulties? I think the biggest challenge right now anyway is not having enough information, okay? And that's not just moving to Toronto. I think that's moving to any country. If Mm -hmm. you are not properly informed or adequately informed as to what to expect, that's where I think some of those challenges come in. Yep. Canada is primarily an English-speaking country, even though English and French are the two official languages. So obviously, if neither of those languages uh, is your first language, well, that would be a challenge, obviously. Mm-hmm. So the other things that would probably come in, especially when moving to places like Toronto, is the cost of living. Right. Toronto is not a cheap city, and depending on where you're coming from, can be a lot more expensive than what you're used to. It's reaching world standards, Toronto and Vancouver, in terms of globally accepted, expensive cities to live in. Obviously, not to the levels of a Singapore, you know, some of the other larger centers, but I think a lot of people are surprised when they do come to Canada, um, how expensive things can be especially, for instance, in Toronto, housing is absolutely insane, where now the average cost of a home is over $1.1 million. And that's the average. Right. Condominiums, you're looking at anywhere from six hundred to $900,000. Townhomes, looking anywhere from, you know, again, a million to a million and a half. And then for detached homes with yards and what have you, you could easily for an average person, be going over $2 million. So these are all considerations in terms of if you're coming, you have to know what it's going to cost to live here. Uh, taxation is very high in Canada. Our gas prices right now across Canada are about $1.85 a litre. Okay? And I think about a dollar of that is taxes. <laughs> you know, so while everybody blames the oil companies and what have you, there's, you know, there are just other costs embedded in there. Mm -hmm. So it's just important, I think, to know what the cost of living would be uh, moving to a place like Toronto. Culturally is less of a challenge because in Toronto particularly, uh, we are the most uh, diverse and inclusive city in the world, apparently. So from a cultural aspect, no matter what culture you're coming from, chances are you are going to find somebody from your culture here. It's a very accepting city. So that's something that, you know, you can tick off as not being anything you have to worry about. (laughs) So just picking up on the point about housing, would your specialists suggest somebody rent initially for the first month, two months, three months till they find somewhere. What would your housing advice be for an expat coming to Toronto? That's a great question. Generally for expats, we say, look, rent for the year. Most rentals in Toronto are for a year. If you're coming with a company that's willing to subsidize you for a certain period of time, 
stay in temporary accommodations for a month to two months Mm -hmm. until you get the lay of the land. And we figure out collectively, okay, where's the best place for you to live? Then based on that, we start the search in the areas that would make most sense for you. At this point, you already have a sense for what apartments are going for uh, in terms of your monthly budget. But what we recommend is, look, rent for the year, because that will give you ample time to start to learn about Canada, you know, understand what it's like to work here, what it's like to play here, and what it's like to actually enjoy a city like Toronto. And in that year's time, you're going to get a lot more informed about what it is you like about the city, things that you hear about it, things that you like, don't like, areas that you like, don't like, and also just getting used to what the market in Canada is doing. I mean, it's very, very hard to arguably make your largest investment in your life when you don't really know. Yes, you can go to realtors and real estate professionals, but at the end of the day, you have to recognize theirs is a job where they're looking to either help you buy or sell something so that they can make some money. Yep. But at the end of the day, the ramification of those choices and decisions, you're the one left footing the bill. Sure. So, and especially as an expat, you you don't want to be caught in a situation where if you are only here for a year, two, three years, let's say you buy at the height of the market. And now when you have to sell, when you're leaving, be left. So it's, it's, I think it's really, really important from an expat's point of view to make sure that they are informed. Same as when, for when they even move to Toronto, make sure that they're informed when they're making larger uh, purchase decisions. So I know Spence Walker is a co-group leader with you. And uh, for our listeners, Spence Walker works for Creston GTA in Toronto. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit about how you and Spence run the Toronto E-Team and some of the other members Give people a bit of a feel about what the group's like and if they work with you, what that might look like. That's been an interesting journey all itself. It was a a strange journey too because I was a client or our company is a client of Creston. You have a connection, a very large connection with that firm. Absolutely. And yeah, and then to my surprise, you introduced (laughs) or reintroduced Spence to me. That's a small world. Yeah. To form this Toronto E-team. Yeah. And while, you know, he's busy, I'm busy, obviously. And I think if I think of the timing of this, this all happened probably shortly before COVID actually happened. Mm -hmm. So it took a little while for us to get it going. But since then, I mean, you know, we've we've gotten some momentum. We've gotten a good team. We now have, uh, you know, movers on board. We've got immigration lawyers on board. Obviously, Spencer size does the, the taxation piece. We've got, you know, banking and investment covered. We've got the mortgage side and the real estate side covered uh, from, you know, in terms of getting mortgages and stuff. And we are now, we also have the insurance side covered. So we are looking to grow that team and the way, and now, you know, with more members that we have. So I think we're up to, we have six members now. So with each additional passing of a few weeks where, you know, we're looking to grow that. Yes. Uh, because I think from our perspective, we wanted to make sure that we got some of the key and the core services covered. And then from there, you grow it based on 
first of all, what the expat needs are and what we're seeing as being vital to the relevance of the E-Team 2 expats moving to Toronto. So that is coming along really well, and we should be hopefully announcing again uh, additional members in the, uh, in the next few uh, weeks and months. If I'm coming from another country and I'm going to work in a Canadian corporation, are there some do's and don'ts when I'm working in a Canadian company that I should be aware of? Tell me a bit about the Canadian culture. So this is why I was saying, you know, where things seem to be getting quite interesting is, you know, we've been working from home for a couple of years now. So that interaction has changed now that we were so used to having in an office environment. The water cooler chats, the theoretical water cooler chats, you know, obviously don't happen the way they used to. But Canada, you know, you talk about the culture. So let's just talk, and and Toronto specifically, about the culture. Right now, D-E-N-I is the big buzz catchphrase, at least in North America. I don't know what you're finding, whether it's as significant uh, across Europe and Australia. But this diversity, equity, and inclusion thing seems to have become this massive buzzword in the U.S., and it's being imparted to all of us as a requirement now by corporate entities. Mm-hmm. Toronto and Canada has been well ahead of this curve to the point where, you know, perhaps we even lead the world in our DEI experience. We've had gay marriage since I think is like mm. 1995. It's just been one of those things where we have a massive mm. gay pride parade, which I think is either the largest or the second largest in the world. So there has always been this very multicultural and inclusive environment in Canada, but specifically in Toronto. However, with that, though, have now come some interesting challenges in terms of Mm -hmm. because it's now being, uh, it's been brought to the fore in other parts of the world, we are now Mm -hmm. having to take steps, you know, pronouns have to be changed. You have to be very careful now. It's become a little tougher in some ways uh, because, you know, I have to be very careful of how I address you, John, Mm -hmm. because I don't know right off the bat, right? And whereas in other countries and cultures, you may think nothing of. Here, you just have to now be careful if somebody does not want to be referred to based on their gender or their gender as you see it. It's not even just for expats. That's something we're all dealing with, even internally. It's interesting. Well, Australians typically would have sent mate to pretty much anyone. Exactly. G'day, mate, could be to a man or a woman. Yeah. How are you going, mate? I mean, that's more exactly. of a general label. So I, I do take the point that that's shifting. Yeah. To you and me, we see absolutely nothing wrong in that, but somebody might. And we seem to be now dealing with a culture of... How can I be offended? Mm-hmm. You know, okay. It doesn't matter what you say. Somebody's going to find something to be offended by. Mm-hmm. So we just have to be careful because, you know, I was talking to a couple of teachers uh, just yesterday, in fact, and it is now part of their contract uh, where if they, in their, in the course of their teachings, ever say all lives matter, that is grounds for dismissal. And I just looked at them and they said, yeah, so, you know, There's a lot of interesting restrictions now being placed on people's ability to express themselves, shall we say, Mm -hmm. that I think 
you know, people should perhaps be aware of. Because in trying to be progressive, you know, perhaps the, the pendulum is swinging this way in a massive rush. And, you know, you, so you may get caught up in an unfortunate circumstance where even though you meant no harm or you didn't intend any harm, it can be seen as you were either not respective or respectful of someone uh, or actually intentionally trying to demean them. Okay. So I think that's important for people to understand. I think it's good. Absolutely. That on, yeah, that on, on the flip side, you know, Toronto is an extremely multicultural universe. Mm-hmm. So fitting in here is not a problem that way. Uh, the beer thing always works. Okay. Um, good. Yeah. Uh, that, well, from, that my perspective, from my perspective, good. Yeah, it's a, it's, you know, that never hurts. I mean, we're all just craving and dying for pubs and restaurants to reopen so that we can just go and, you know, watch a hockey game, sit, relax, have some laughs, go to a concert. Yeah. Um, so those kinds of things are always great. But, you know, it's, I think people also need to understand uh, we, I was talking to uh, some, a colleague uh, from New Zealand once, and he was here for about three years and he hit, this thing where he goes, he goes, you know what, Canadians are friendly enough, but, you know, they always say, yeah, we got to get together. We got to get together. And he goes, well, in the three years I've been here, we've never gotten together. <laughs> you know, they, they say that, but they don't always follow through. And it is quite possible because, you know, you have your own friend groups or you have your own family structure where people are very, very entrenched in, you know, their kids' activities and you're, you're busy. Life is busy, you know, mm. that old expression, but life gets in the way. Well, it does get in the way a lot. Sure. So it's not for a lack of wanting to hang out with you or do things with you. It's just that, you know, sometimes circumstances don't permit it. But all in all, I think if you're friendly and if you're courteous, you'll make friends. It's never a problem. I think, uh, you know, Torontonians are fairly welcoming that way and very open to meeting new people. Thank you. And I guess then going to ask if you have to give a few tips, it's always good. Give uh, three tips to a family moving to Canada from a non-Commonwealth country. I think that's interesting because they may slightly differ. Uh, people from Commonwealth countries may have may be a little more adjusted. So I feel like people coming from, say, an Australian or a New Zealand or an English background may have some familiarity with the legal system or the language or something. So what would your tips be for somebody moving from a non-English speaking country and a non-Commonwealth country be? And given that, you know, that's going to be a lot of people, would those tips be different if you were coming from a Commonwealth country? And it's kind of a different question because a lot of more assumed knowledge if you're moving from a common law jurisdiction or a Commonwealth country. That's an interesting question. So my first reaction to that would be engage us early Mm. and engage us early so that you can get informed. And I think that's how we started off this whole thing where I said, you know, like the biggest thing is you need to be informed. You know, and these days I do find, though, regardless of where people are coming from, if they have a keen enough interest that they're looking at Canada or Toronto as a possible destination, they have done a good degree of research to figure out what it is. But I think then you complement that with engaging people such as our services early so that you can get even further informed and understand perhaps, yeah, like what is, to your point, like if you're non-Commonwealth or, well, even from the U.S., you know, we're neighbors, 
But uh, oftentimes, there are significant differences that can be found that you don't realize are there. So it, it is very, very important that you be informed. You know what the country structure is like. You know what the makeup of the country is, especially if you're not coming from an English-speaking country or region. Mm-hmm. Knowing or being given the confidence that there is a community here, chances are that there is a community here because we are so diverse in Toronto that you would find somebody of your background that you know you could in fact be connected to and you know that could make you that much more welcome in a strange land right mm. then probably uh, trying to explain to them why why the queen is the head of this country when she has absolutely nothing to do with us but that's a whole different discussion uh, tell us a bit more about what Nitin Badwa does away from work so uh People who are going to reach out might like to hear a bit about what you do when you're, when you're not working. <laughs> but I'm, well, I'm not sure when that is, but <laughs> golf is it for me. So any chance I get, I'm golfing. Not a very good golfer, but that's all I do is golf, even in the winter. Right. Our winters in Toronto are horrible. I should tell that to everybody in terms of they are cold. <laughs> When you're actually in lockdown or restricted to from going places, it can drive you nuts. I have a, a golf membership. I'm signed up for winter simulator golf. So any to like this evening, for instance, I'll be there. <laughs> it's my outlet. You know, you go, you just, you're having some fun, whether you're playing well or not. And, you know, that's the biggie. And other than that, just, you know, enjoying, uh, enjoying time with the family, whether it's TV shows, visiting with the kids, what have you. Sure. But yeah, and summer months, and our summer is coming, so we're anxiously looking forward to uh, some good weather and um, just, you know, golf. (laughs) If you were selling living in Toronto, what are the best things about living in Toronto that you would tell the listener? I would say the diversity that this city has and the cultures, and as a result, the culinary experiences that you have, you can experience you know, food from every part of the world practically here. And I mean every part of the world. Mm -hmm. It is just phenomenal that way. And there is a lot to do in the city. There's, you know, it is on the lake. So in the, again, in the summers, (laughs) it's great. But in the winter, you know, if you, if you embrace winters, uh, you know, there's skating parks all over the place. Uh, The Toronto City Hall has a big skating rink, which you can go and skate every, um, whenever you want in the cold <laughs> there's it's a city that has a major league ice hockey team major league baseball team major league basketball team uh major league soccer team there's a lot of different sporting events that you can enjoy here and it's also a huge uh, music mecca you know like you have a lot a really really good uh, music scene you know if that's of interest Mm-hmm. And just, you know, like a, a lot of uh, even the arts, you know, like it's got great theater, great uh, music halls. So it's it's a city that and a lot of trails, if you like to bike, golf, you know, different things. It pretty much has something for everyone. The only limitations here, though, are the weather, because when it gets cold, you know, obviously you're restricted in what you can or cannot do. As a result, you know, summertime is feverish activity. People are out and about just enjoying themselves. Patios are open and it's the best time of the year for us in Toronto. And then 
then we go on to winter. Well, you, you paint a very good picture, Nitin. Thank you. That's been a really great chat with you today. I think anyone listening uh, can hear your passion for the city and the country and your experience. And I would urge everyone moving to Canada from the expat land uh, global network community to uh, reach out to Welcome Home Relocations. Um, Nitin Badwa and his team will make you feel right at home. Uh, thank you very much for your time today, Nitin. It's my pleasure, John. I look forward to welcoming anyone and everyone coming uh, to Toronto and look forward to, uh, to servicing them. Thank you all for listening to us today. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to showcase how our members can help you move overseas. My name is John Macarian, and I'm always ready to hear from you with any questions that you have. Please contact me via our website, expatland.com. Enjoy the journey.